Here we are again, guys. Scott Short, Mace Duffy Mortgage, Mortgage License Number 225-998. Number, show number two on credit. We're back into Leonard Ferrari's book called The Big Score, Getting It and Keeping It, Buying Power for Life. Leonard Ferrari, and it's her book, written in 2008. So we're back into this. We're still in Chapter 2, and we're definitely into an area that, thank God, it's gone. It's called the Universal Default Clause. And this was a very mean clause. What it means that in the past, and this thing actually uh, was uh, ended by the Federal Credit Card Act 2009, went in effect in February 2010. There's an article by Forbes, the magazine, in May 2011, talking about this whole experience. But the Universal Default Clause was designed where if you have multiple credit items, right, and one credit item out of all those good credit items that are perfectly paid on time, you're a champion, you are the poster child for paying time credit on time and you know doing your job, right? And if one credit item had a late pay that the rest of your guys, they found out, then they would actually increase your credit interest rate to the top they could charge because of the potential universal default on all credit. So if one credit card had a hiccup, then they could have to come after you and drive your credit score up and or not score, sorry, drive the interest rate up and actually just create, you know, havoc in your life. So thank goodness that has gone. So we're not going to talk about that because universal, universal default clause is no mas. We like that. That's on page, uh, what is that? Page 27 of our book in chapter two. Let's head on to collection agencies have mastered Master power to destroy without a legal binding agreement. That's scary. It's page 28 of Linda's book. So let's see what it says here. It says, when you sign an agreement to pay, whether for a credit card account or for an installment loan, such as a mortgage or a new car, the agreement you are signing is with the original creditor. So why is the collection agency allowed to report the item on your credit when you never sign a legal binding agreement to pay them, talking about the collection company. In most cases, when consumers incur a collection, usually it's because they have lost, they have a loss of employment, illness, uh, issues with medical insurance, not paying, or simply because they lack the ability to pay. They've done nothing illegal. By contrast, collection agencies break the law all the time. This is what Linda's saying. It's an incredible flaw in the system. Yet, without any legal binding agreement, collection agencies have the master power to destroy your credit. Because when they report on your credit that you have a derogatory or whatever, how they report it, definitely is going to affect you and your score. She says on here, which I've always talked about here, is the one free credit report per year. Okay. This is the, says the fair credit, excuse me, the fair and accurate credit Transaction Act. That's a lot of words. Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act of 2003, an amendment to the Fair Credit Reporting Act, another big word, both of which I talk about in Chapter 13, so later on, allows consumers to request and obtain a free credit report once a year for every 12 months from each of the three major credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. We talk about this. So this is what I talked about. We go to W annualcreditreport.com. That is the official free one the federal government set up. 
Not the cats with a cute little commercial with the pirates and that kind of stuff. That is not. That is not the free one. That's not the one that the Federal Bureau or Federal, probably Federal, Federal Trade Commission. Remember we talked about that triple W, FTC, Federal Trade Commission.gov is the place you want to go. That's the body that regulates credit. It says, here's the flaw. I took more than 40, it took more than 40 years for consumers to get a free and easy access to one of their, one, one's own credit report. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but today a credit report without a credit score means nothing. Yeah, that's true because scores are what we're looking at. But, you know, looking at the data is going to let us know if there is going to be a problem, right? But she's right. You know, credit score is what we're looking for, but it's not for, that's not what the system is designed for. The system is the free version. It's just going to say, here's your credit. Here's what's being reported. Reference to, now here's the creditor's name. You know, we opened it, closed it or whatever. They get all the data, but no score attached to it. But at least you can see if there's any inaccuracies on the credit report. So if you see inaccuracies, you know your score is going to be affected. Right? If you see no inaccuracies, then hey, you know, you're probably okay. But she's correct there that uh, there is no credit score uh, with these items. Everyone who wants his or her score must pay a fee at the time of ordering one's free credit report. It kind of defeats the word free. <laughs> Since it's the score that are the number one decision factor in lending Shouldn't these also be free at least once every 12 months? And she's correct there. But like I said originally, that when you get your credit score from, you know, a non-financing type, be the car loan, be the home loan. So you'll get a score from the bureaus. We were talking about originally in, in, in episode one that, you know, those credit scores when you pull from, from the bureaus, no, no modeling, just pure data, then that score is going to be higher it's going to give you a false sense, you know, of what the real score is when we pull it for a car loan or a mortgage. I do mortgage on new car loans. <laughs> but, you know, that just gives you a heads up on that. Just be careful with that thought. But, hey, she's correct, as always. Then here we go. Too many scores to manage, okay? You know what you – you know what they say about too many cooks spoils the broth. That's nothing compared to too many considerations killing, considerations killing credit scores. Big word, huh? As if the m multiple factors that make up your credit scores from various credit reports, credit reporting agencies, were not enough to keep heads spinning, every consumer has different scores for different borrowing purposes, like I said earlier. These include consumer credit scores, auto loans, insurance scores, mortgage scores. So there we go. Wouldn't it make more sense to have one score to manage? Yeah, sure. So credit tip, it says, mortgage scores carry the strict, strictest criteria. Therefore, setting your standard at the level will bolster the chance of getting the highest possible score in other areas. Okay. Okay. There we go. So meaning that there's a hierarchy, hierarchy, uh, hierarchy, is that the right word? <laughs> hierarchy is what I think in scores is that if you have a credit card, you know, bottom of the barrel of the, of the, of the, of the pyramid, right? You get a car loan. You know, home loan. Those kind of your kind of your pyramid. If you you know, basically, when you get the car loan, the mortgage loan, they're going to be those are more. Um, I always say harder to get, and they're they get a little more. Uh, what's the word? A little more. Um, uh, what's the word? A little more. You know, uh, what's my word? A little more. You know, relevancy to them. I guess we'll call it. So let's go on. Creditors and credit bureaus overrule our court system. 
No about it. No doubt about it. Few experiences in life are trying as a divorce, right? Certainly, certain, certainly, every spouse feels total relief when he or she has been awarded a judgment. Okay, so she goes in and says, and "This is going on to a whole conversation." But um, bottom line is, a divorce decree does not take precedence over a creditor's agreement. So what she's going down this road is stating that when you, hope you never do, go in this area, but if you do get divorced, and a judge or the judicial system, more than a judge, will divide who gets what assets and what debts and all that kind of stuff, right? So let's say that if your ex gets the house loan, right? They award the house to the ex, you know, ex buys you out, blah, 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 whatever, right? But let's say if your credit, if your name's still attached to that credit item, right? So let's say your name's still in the mortgage, but the judge has awarded to the other party, if that party does not make the payments, right, guess what? Your score will be affected by that. Even though the judge has said, hey, you know, you no longer need to pay that payment because you've awarded to the other person, the credit guy is like, son, judge, judge, who? Cool, whatever, judge. They stole me money, and I won't put on their credit, and that's how it goes. So be cognitive of that conversation when you do have credit, you know, awarded to other part, you know, the other spouse, whatever. Make sure your name's removed off that item as quick as possible. And, you know, sometimes, you know, if in a mortgage world, you may need to refinance it. Depends on the lender. And sometimes the lenders with a final decree from a judge stating that there's been a award to their spouse and their spouse can prove they can pay it on their self or their own, not self, that's word, that they may just change it, do a modification to the mortgage note, take your name off. But pretty rare. But I still ask. Never, you know, you don't. You don't get what you don't ask for, right? So you need to ask for that to see if you can get that done. That's what she's alluding to about this whole thing about, you know, the courts can't overrule the credit system, right? So that's where she goes. It says, um, it says here, bottom line is that a divorce decree does not take precedence over a creditor's agreement, like I just said. So that's what we're talking about there. Paying debt in this system makes scores go down. Okay, here we go. So, Sometimes when you pay a debt, let's say it's a collection that's been out there for five years, right? This is where the system has the flaw. That let's say if you pay the collection off and you know you want amends and try to get your score better or whatever, that the system only sees ones and zeros, just a computer thing, right? So if you pay off a creditor that's five years old collection-wise, you pay them off today, it says pay charge off today, guess what? Your score has dropped. Even though you did the right thing, your score dropped because of the way the system is reading that data. That's going to make sure that the date of last activity shows that um, it was back in the past, not not the current where the collection happened. So the collection's got to show the that's an old collection. The payoff is just you know canceling out that debt. It's not that you got a new collection today and paid it today. That's what the system thinks. You got a new collection today and you paid it today. That's why your score drops dramatically. So let's go ahead. So what she says here says, crazy but true. Paying collections can actually bring scores down. You would think that making good on a debt would cause credit scores to improve. But what really happens is that when you pay a collection that's originally more than 12 months old, like I said, three, four years, whatever, it becomes a recent paid collection on the credit report, after which your credit score can immediately drop by as much as 100 points. Can you imagine that? Let's say if your credit score is like 650, guess what? Now you're 550. Not so good. That'd be bad. Okay. So then the next next um, section here says the amount of derogatory debt does not matter. 
Well, again, the amount of the derogatory debt does not matter. That's what her this new, this new uh, paragraph was talking about. A collection is collection, no matter the dollar figure. The same rule applies to tax liens and judgments. To the scoring system, the derogatory amount can be $100 or $100,000, and your credit scores are impacted the same. They see it as just a debt item, right? They're looking, they're looking at the numbers. This seems ludicrous and unjust because many of those small collections result, next page, page 30, from medical billing errors. Others represent collections that originated from annual fee added to old credit cards, accounts no longer in use. Don't think a small dollar amount will be any less damaging to your score. This has all the signs of blanket, that signs of a blanket judgment, which is a biased and flawed. Bam. Okay. So what they're saying there is that no matter what the size of the dollar figure, it's that work collection, charge off, any kind of derogatory, late payments, whatever, no matter what the dollar figure is, that's still only seeing that item. Dollar figure doesn't come into play. It's going to be the item saying collection, charge off, bankruptcy, late payment, be 30, 60, 90 days. Okay. Um, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the dollar figure. Dollar figure doesn't make any, it doesn't, doesn't come into play. So here she goes. Next thing says triple jeopardy. We have all heard of double jeopardy, which, you know, defense in civil, I mean, uh, criminal court, right? A procedural defense and constitutional right that prohibits a defendant from being tried twice for the same crime on the same set of facts. Well, in the credit scoring system, one derogatory count can be reported up to three times. Now we got triple jeopardy. Hmm. All good. If the original creditor sells the debt to a collection agency, both the original creditor and the collection agency can report the count. Then if the original creditor or collection agency files a judgment, the public record is also reported. And all the records show the past due debt and all deals serious derogatory penalties to your credit score. Can you imagine that? So you got the original creditor, the collection company, and the, what is it? The, uh, dang it. And then the final judgment, yes, the judgment. Because a lot of times what happens with these judgments are, it's going to be what you call a, um, a basically you don't show because you didn't know. It's, oh, I sent you the old address. Well, no one approves they did or did not send an old address because they don't send it, you, they don't send it, you know, uh, certified. So they can send it where they want. They don't, sometimes, who knows if they can send it, period. But usually it's a default judgment because you didn't show up. And that's why you get the, the lien against your property, your lien against your, 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 Self, I guess you want to call it. Because what happens is with 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 um, judgments, let's say you got a judgment against you, let's say not, you know, basically you didn't show, that that judgment will go away off the credit part, but it does not leave the system. So from a mortgage world, when you have a, uh, a judgment that fell off the credit part because it's 10 years old or whatever time frame it is, right? Then when you buy a house, the title company's job is to research your, your, your what they call a state of identity. They put your your name in there, your security number, all the address, all the addresses you've lived at in the last ten years. And they pull up in that county if there's any judgments against you. That's when it pops up and bites you in the butt. So you need to know about that stuff. If you have a judgment out there, that you need to make sure your lender under knows that because, you know, it goes down that point. A lot of times the clients don't do the same identity up front. They do it to the last minute, and guess what? Boom, dead bike. So that's not a good thing, and everybody gets 
very upset and a lot of people lose money and it's just not good. So let's don't go that way. Okay. So that's what I'm talking about on this thing for the triple jeopardy. Then she goes on to, uh, if the original creditor or collection agency files a judgment, public record is also reported and all these records show the past due debt and all deal seriously derogatory. Okay. We'll talk about that. They really, this, they really, that's kind of weird. They really bad news here. Okay, the really okay, the really bad news here. There's no legislation or regulations whatsoever to in the current acts to protect you. One way or the other, the creditors, collection agencies, courts, and credit bureaus are available, or excuse me, available, hello, <laughs> are able to do whatever they want, while unwittingly consumers are left to deal with triple jeopardy. So that's pretty crazy, right? The punishment doesn't fit the crime. Most consumers believe that being a little late in paying a bill is merely a symbol of the hectic lifestyle. Surely the creditors and credit bureaus understand, right? Wrong. Just a single 30-day late can lower your score by 80 points. That's relatively exposes an erroneous flaw. The reality exposes an erroneous flaw. Wow, I can speak today, huh? After all the collection causes you to lose approximately 100 points. But the gravity of this is far from severe than a 30-day late. The difference behind the, the derogatory is huge. So you should not be penalized as much. There should be a cap on scores, penalties, which considered the type of derogatory, the amount of derogatory, and the amount, the number of derogatories. So that's her, her, her statement there. Okay. Hardship, deal with it. Ooh, that's kind of ring. There's nothing remotely human about credit system. This is especially difficult reality for individuals who find themselves in the midst of a crisis. Everyone has dark times in their lives, illness, death, family, job loss, unexpected expenses. When hardship occurs and people cannot keep pace with the bills, they will instantly be labeled as a, as, as a default. That means that, they could lose everything that they've worked for. That is not right. Even worse, there's no laws in place requiring the creditors report negative information to the credit bureaus. Here is a section of the law from the credit, excuse me, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Okay, it says responsibilities of furnished responsibilities of furnishers of information to consumers reporting agencies. Okay. Duty of furnished, let's see, A. Duty of furnishers of information to provide accurate information. The number seven says negative information. E. So it's A, small a, then seven, then a big E. Letter E. Mm -hmm. Use of notice without submitting negative information. Period. No provision of this paragraph shall be construed as requiring a financial institution that has provided a consumer customer, sorry, customer, with a notice described in sub, in sub, sub paragraph big A to furnish negative information about the consumer to a consumer reported agency. Wow, a lot of words, huh? Here's a text from sub paragraph big A. In general, a person who furnishes information to a consumer reporting agency regarding a delinquency, a delinquent account being placed for collection, charge or charge to profit or loss, or subject to any similar action, 
shall not later than 90 days after furnishing the information notify the agency of the date of deficiency on the account, which shall be the month and year of the commencement of delinquency on the account that immediately preceded the action. There you go. Here's drawing the blueprints here for it. If I were in position of authority, this is Linda talking, I would in initiate legislation that allowed for hardship cases. If a person showed legitimate proof, then creditors should be required to provide leniency and be disallowed from blacklisting a person's credit standing. There should also be varying levels of hardship. For instance, instance there should be a established time frame payment extension for consumers who have lost their job, especially due to sluggish economy. Okay, so that's much, that's makes, you know, she, she makes a valid point there, but you know, proving a lot of stuff, you know, you know, it, it's probably, you know, you, you know, you can prove the stuff, but then let them taking it in and, you know, it's, it's just be great. Fine day they did it, but I don't think they will, you know, but Hey, maybe someday. But what she's alluding to here is that, you know, you look over here back in the, what she said here, it said uh, a person who furnished information to a consumer reporting agency regarding the legacy account. So what you look at for when, look at the statute of limitations. I'm not an attorney, talk to your attorney about this, but if you look at statute of limitations on how long credit can remain on a credit report, normally in certain, most items are a seven-year window. And what they tell us, and what I understand, not being an attorney, but should be the last derogatory date before it went to a collection or charge or whatever the item was that, you know, went into the worst effect. So you go back to that date. So, okay. Last item was a 90 day late on X date. The next item, next time the report's going to be, this is a collection now or charge off or whatever. That date is the date you need to look at for to create, the, to look at the seven year window to make sure they need to remove that item. Cause Pretty much you're going to be punished for seven years. <laughs> Unless you can prove it wrong and, you know, all that works, right? So that's something you need to pretty much talk to your, you know, your credit people about that. And that's where you want to know about this stuff. So if you do hire somebody to help you with credit, at least you want to be more smart or smart enough to understand, you know, if they're, if they're full of hot air or not. And you'll hope you find somebody who's going to take care of you and help you and not charge you a billion dollars, right? So there we go. Oh, let's see. Let's see what you got here. Then she goes on to say on page 32, the laws are flawed, all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I agree with that. Following the footsteps of a guilty until proven innocent flaw for every consumer who has ever tried to challenge the accuracy of a derogatory count on his or her credit report. I know you will agree that this is a big flaw in the system. Basically, when it comes to derogatory information on your credit report, the law states that you have the right to ask for two things. You ready? Number one, verification of the claim from a creditor, court, or collection agency reporting it. And number two, for the credit bureaus to investigate the validity of the item with the creditor, court, or collection agency. Okay, that's your two things. That's your rights. If either of these two requests are not responded to under certain guidelines as follows, then the item must be deleted removed, right, from your credit report. But that process does not work for consumers. This is because the law is unclear and left open to interpretation. There's no concrete language establishing the definition of terms reasonable 
procedures. That's scary. Reasonable investigation, verification, or unverifiable. These things are just, I guess there's, ooh, okay, keep going. Stricter guidelines must be put into place to make the investigation and verification procedures clearer and more demanding of the creditors and credit bureaus. Following are the, the key sections that pertain to this flaw. You decide. You can access a full content of the act on okay, her, uh, her site, uh, HTTP, HTTP colon slash, you know, slash slash www.lindaferrari.com. I'm not sure if that site's still up, so you need to check that out. I think it is still up, but check it out. First one she talks about is the FCRA, the Federal Credit Reporting Act, okay? He also talks about the FACTA, F-A-C-T-A, which is the Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act. And then let's see what else we got here. That's the big piece of this. Let's go into this. So the FCRA, the Federal Credit Reporting Act, says this is the section of the regulation how the credit, how the credit to bureau, anyway, let's back this up. It says this is the section that regulates how the credit to bureaus report information about consumers to lenders. The following key text from this section proves that consumers protection offered is useless without a term definition of reasonable procedures. There you go. B, small b, accuracy of report. Whenever a consumer reporting agency prepares a consumer report, it shall follow reasonable procedures to assure maximum possibility of accuracy of the information concerning the individual about whom the report relates. Makes sense. Then it says here, procedures in case a dispute, a disputed accuracy, okay? This is a section that regulates how the credit bureaus handle investigations of a disputed account. Again, consumers' protection if offered is useless without a term definition for reasonable investigation. Number one, reinvestigation required, big A. In general, subject to subsection small f, if the completeness or accuracy of any item of information contained in a consumer's file at a cons consumer's reporting agency is disputed, by the consumer and the consumer notifies the agency directly or indirectly through a reseller of such disputed, the agency shall uh, free of charge conduct a reasonable invest reinvestigation to determine whether the disputed information is inaccurate and record the current status of the disputed information or delete the item completely. So resellers gonna be like, when I run credit, we go through a company called um, Credit Plus. It's also Credit code, there's all different credit companies out there, right? They're basically resellers. So we are actually going through a third party to get our credit. So we as lenders don't have that access to credit directly. So we go through a credit agency, credit reporting company that has access to that data because all the stuff they do. So that's what we're talking about resellers right there, in my opinion. Okay, let's keep going here. Okay. Then we go into the fair and credit, to fair and accurate credit transaction act. Man, people got some time on their hands to write some words. If you finally recognize that the FCRA did not address their verification process in sufficient detail, and thus in 2003, the Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act, which we call FACTA because just initials, came along as an amendment. Here's a language of FACTA that pertains to the issue. Section 313, FTC and Consumer Reporting Agency Action Concerning Complaints. Remember, FTC is Federal Trade Commission. Big A. 
Consumer disputes with consumer reporting agencies over the accuracy or completeness of information in a consumer's file are promptly and fully investigated and any incorrect and incomplete and unverifiable information is corrected or deleted immediately thereafter. Section 314, improved disclosures of the results of a reinvestigation. Small i, promptly delete the item of information from the file of, next page, the consumer to modify that item of information as a pro, uh, sorry, uh, oh my gosh, let's see, as approximate, sorry, approximate, no, appropriate, appropriate, sorry, appropriate, sorry, approximate, X, I don't have an X in there, Prop, appropriate based on the result of the reinvestigation and section 314, Big E, says improved disclosures of the results of reinvestigation, Big E, if an item information disputed by a consumer is found to be inaccurate or incomplete or cannot be verified after any reinvestigation under paragraph one for purpose of reporting to the consumer reporting agency only as appropriate based on the result of the reinvestigation promptly, modify the item of information, delete the item of information, or permanently block the reporting of this item of information. There you go. We talked about earlier about sometimes the, you, you know, prove that they're wrong, the reference to the creditor, they'll put it right back on, which is totally psychotic. But, you know, what do you do? Use these rules, right? So Section 317, reasonable reinvestigation requirements. Section 611, small a, number one, big A, of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. There's a lot more stuff here, but you can read the book. Uh, if amended by striking, shall re- reinvestigate fee of, excuse me, not fee, free of charge. And insert shall free of charge conduct a reasonable reinvestigation to determine whether disputed information is inaccurate. That's what you want. You want to get somebody to reinvestigate stuff and prove it's inaccurate, and then they pull it off. Here's the flaw the law does not work. Period, she says. And the legislators responsible for writing and enacting the new laws do not properly regulate the creditors and the credit bureaus. So in reality, nothing can, has changed. It's all smoke and mirrors. So riddle me, riddle me this, Batman, huh? What do you think is the most commonly used and printed phrase employed by the three bureaus, credit bureaus, to respond to consumer disputes? She puts here, in quotes, we have verified that this item belongs to you. There has to be a better way. So that's the end of chapter two. We'll get on to the next story. So thanks for listening, and we'll be in touch. Bye for now.